So, this is episode five of uh, the More Than Mostly Comedy podcast. Wow, five already. Five already. In yeah. fact, it's perfect because it's, tonight was our fifth anniversary of Mostly Comedy. Wow, five podcasts, fifth yeah. anniversary, five years. We average essentially one podcast a year. Yeah. Uh, now, on tonight's podcast, we're going to have interviews with uh, the two acts are on this evening, Jay Foreman and Sean Hughes. But before that, uh, I learned something interesting this evening. Uh, apparently, t- tell us, can tell us what the first CD was you ever owned? Bear in mind, this is CD, not tape. CD. So we're dating first, it a little bit later on. The first CD I ever owned was um, a Super a Super Ted soundtrack. A Super Ted soundtrack. Super Ted. Remember Super Ted? I do remember. Him. I think it included. I, th- I seem to remember. My brother had because um, we both got brought CDs, and it was our first introduction to CDs. And I was it, mine was purely Super Ted. His was spotty. <laughs> had spotty on it. Had spotty was definitely in there. There was uh, spots are hot. They're outrageous. The ones I've got are something contagious or something. That was one of the lyrics from one of the Spotty songs. But this was your first CD. Sp- my so first not tapes. CD. This was at a point when you should know better. Really. <laughs> when did CDs come out? Eighty something. You were like cussing and edge. To, yeah, I think we. My mum and dad were quite high tech. They had a hi-fi system. But you say Super Ted soundtrack. Well, I mean, as far as I remember, I there was just there was a song at the beginning which was basically speaking over the machine with him. I can't even remember out. the actual theme tune. I, I only remember that I had a soundtrack, and I remember the Spotty song because I used to listen to that one quite a lot. Was there a Texas Pete one? Or? Um, possibly. Or um, I wish I could remember that, but I can't. Did remember you used to sort of empathise with um, the skeleton just because you his sort of camp way? Was it? Was it, <laughs> <laughs> was it you felt wasn't you were, Spotty quite camp as well? Yeah, well, yeah. Remember Spotty it was John Pertwee, wasn't it? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? But I, I seem to remember the skeleton being it's pro- probably my earliest um, awareness of, of a gay person. Uh, was, really? Was a Shocked man without any skeleton. It was a man without any flesh. Yeah. It was a strange, confusing image. Anyway, we shouldn't talk about Super Ted now. No. Although I'd like to point out my first CD I owned was Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. So that's quite cool. That's quite and and uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, Paul McCartney album as well, which is probably seem to be less cool. I think um, the Super Ted album kind of reflects my taste in bad music, which has kind of continued from that, that point onwards. And really. kids' television. And kids' um, television. I had, a, did I, have a su- I had a Super Ted story tape. No, but we're talking tapes now. We're talking I had a Super like... Ted duvet, I think, as well. Spotting the theme here. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, this is our Mostly Comedy podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, first up, we're going to play to you an interview we recorded about 10 minutes ago yep. with uh, the fantastic Jay Foreman. In which we talk about what do we talk about? Uh, we lots just, of things. We talked about his um, his career. How much? I tell you what. We could just let him. Let's just talk do about that. It yeah. Otherwise, it, yeah. so this, this is Jay Foreman right now. What time is it? Uh, it's eleven fifty-three. It's eleven fifty-three, and we're here with Jay Foreman. Hello. Hi. Good. Yeah, we, I can stay as late as I want because I've got no danger of missing the last car home. For it's it. like a lock-in. It's like a it's lock-in, in, but without the drinks. And we're just sat in a just very damp water room, really. Yeah. It's quite nice in here, although it's very cold. I think I've got my coat on. That's either because it's cold it in here yeah. or because wow. I'm feeling quite tired and need to, need to you warm up. You won't feel the benefit, though, that's the thing, when you yeah. leave. That's true. Do you know what? I'll take it off now. Why you still care? Yeah, yes. yeah, I was taking his coat off. Taking his coat off. Um, so, what have you been up to of late since we last? Because we interviewed you, I think, on our first podcast. Yeah, I was thinking was, that it was. Well, my answer will depend entirely on when that was. I that think we'll try and work out when it is. Because at the now, Croft, and it was at least a year ago, if not. Was like, it when we first started being in the kitchen? It was before you. Yeah, went it was up, the kitchen, yeah, yeah. Before you went up to Edinburgh, and I think you only went up for a week or two weeks, and you weren't really. Intending oh wow, to do that, it that was a, that's that got to be more than a year ago. Yeah, that was. That was a couple of years ago. Well, I'll tell you what I've been up to. That was everything. We want everything. Yeah, that time. Everything in reverse order. I did some laundry yesterday. <laughs> um, no, that was uh, my show called Jay Foreman's Mixtape. That was when I went up to Edinburgh for what was the third year in a row. Yeah. And um, I hadn't got it together to write an entirely new show then. Because it's hard enough writing the first one and then very hard writing the second. Mm-hmm. So um, to go back a third year in a row would basically mean I was going to combine my favourite parts from the first and second show to make a sort of best of show. Yeah. Which meant that by the time it was my fourth year, I had no excuse. <laughs> and I was like, well, there you go. You've had all that year uh, you know, with time off. Uh, where's all the stuff that you've written? I was like, yeah. oh, uh, it's there. I'll just start writing it now. And yeah. that's, what the, um, that's what I did the next year. Then I went up to Edinburgh this year with um, a show called No More Colours, which was my third Edinburgh show, although my fourth time there on my own. The third being the best of show. Right. Uh... So I think the last time I was here, I was discussing um, uh, how I got started, which yes. I suppose means that now I should discuss uh, how, how I think things are going to end. Yeah, if you could tell yeah. us the ideal way you'd end your career. Would you die on <laughs> the stage? The ideal way? Yeah, or, or would you die on stage in a Tom, Tommy Cooper style, or, or would you... Uh, how, only, where only, would if you it, like? only if it was watched on YouTube loads of times, yeah, you know, to, to really be. frighten the children. 
I've, I'm quite a big fan of Tommy Cooper, and I, I've never seen the, the moment. I Have you watched that video? No, I don't want to. It's horrible. It's one of the most chilling videos I've ever seen. I don't know why I watched it. And well, I made the mistake there, of watching it with the sound off, which is oh. worse, <laughs> because it makes it all the more creepy. Oh, yeah, I've, I've watched other videos, and you see it there on the side as, you know, recommended. Yeah, you, liked, uh, you liked Tommy Cooper's routine with the spoon jar jar spoon. We think you'd enjoy <laughs> this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just think, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That I... I wouldn't want to die on stage. Cut to the recording says, well, and David F. Died, <laughs> died on stage. Second just gives a whole new yeah. meaning to the word die on stage. Exactly. Yeah. Usually for a comedian. Well, you yeah. say that though. I think that's kind of a good way to go. If that's your career, I mean, yeah, but I, I think it's a, it's a public. But it's, way an, to go. it's an intensely personal moment. Obviously, I think True. it's about as personal as it gets. Yeah. There are um, several people whose career has ended on stage, and uh, two of them that come to mind were in the same year: uh, Tommy Cooper and Eric Morgan. Yeah, Sid James. They were the same as well. year. With oh, Sid James was that in the same year as Sid, well? Did Sid, Sid James, James die on stage? That was earlier. Right? No, earlier, late well, Eric, 70s. Eric Morgan wasn't technically on stage, was he? He was in the dressing room. Yeah. I um, think he'd only just, he just left the left stage. His last words. Yeah, we were at that theatre, weren't we? Yeah. Oh wait, at the time. No, not Shrewsbury. Yeah, Tewksbury. We have an alibi. We were there on the day. Uh, no, uh, Tewksbury, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. Right. Right. Now the story I heard was that Eric Morecambe had, um, he'd just finished a fantastic show, went yeah. off stage and then the audience were still sort of like asking him to come back and do more. And he went back on and did a little encore, did some bows. And uh, having just stormed it, he walked into the dressing room and slumped on the chair and said, I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. yeah. That was his last words. Now, yeah. that's a good way to go. That's fantastic. And especially yeah. because uh, Eric Morecambe, he made it very clear in his interviews that he really enjoyed the adulation. And, you know, I think for someone like him, it was the perfect way to go. Yeah. yeah and he thrived off an audience, didn't he? He really did. So, I th whereas someone like Ronnie Barker, who is a big hero of mine, but he retired at what he felt was a high point and he ran a little antique shop and then mm. he came back to it. Running an antique shop sounds like a sort of sitcom that Ronnie Barker. Well, I think it in. was, in fact. Yeah, hang on a minute. Um, <laughs> but you know, are you sure this actually happened in real life, yeah, or are you confusing yeah. his uh, life? In fact, I told that to Gemma, to my girlfriend, and she was like, "Really? He ran an antique shop?" Said, yeah, no, he did for about I don't know five or six years. He just I heard that. It, it just sounds so wonderfully made up. It must yeah. be true. But I think because he was his background was more acting, and he was a comedian as well. But I think he preferred. I think he's a more private person, or someone like Eric Morecambe, I think maybe it's, it's the right thing. It's a strange uh, thing to do, though, I think, when people retire. You know, I don't think, fair enough, do it, but it's very it's, it's the sort of profession where I always think I would never retire from being a performer. I did tonight after. You just say, yeah, you retired, you've gone. call this, pack up, oh, <laughs> done. I might have to retire then. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing on my own. I'll give you well, would, would either of the two of you go for comedy on your own? Or are you uh, forever going to be associated with each other? I don't Can there be a dog without an F grave and vice versa? I think it's no. like the key master and the gatekeeper, but in reverse, in, in Ghostbusters. Keykeeper you know. and the gate master. Yeah. <laughs> in the sense that if we... I don't know. I, we have a sort of safety in numbers approach, don't yeah. we? we uh, just the it, fact about going to gigs, even. I think like for someone like you or anyone else, when you go there on your own, for me, when I've done things like that, it's it's hard. It's hard just being. I, I admire, admire what you do and what a lot of the guys that come here do, yeah. or girls uh, that come here do, because well, on their own. Because yeah, you, you, it's nice to have someone else there with you. Just but then I experience. see people that work in double acts and in big teams like sketch groups mm -hmm. and uh, improv troops and so on. And uh, what I'm sort of jealous of is the camaraderie. Uh, I can't seem to pronounce that word without taking the piss. I don't know how to say <laughs> yeah, that word. It's designed for But that, no, yeah. the camaraderie that yeah. they have is really enviable and it's wonderful. And also, yeah. not only um, are they sort of um, having such a great time together working on a common goal, but also it's just easier for the admin, the fact that one person in the yeah. group is going to be more organised. Whereas yeah. if you're doing something on your own, it's entirely your fault that you uh, have to get yourself all the gigs. And also, if you're feeling um, a little bit ill on the day of a gig or you know, you're not going to be bringing it a hundred and ten percent. I just said bringing it a hundred and ten percent. That's one of the worst sentences I've ever said. But that's how tired I down am. Down with the oh, kids. Um, that's what it really is. Down yeah. with the kids. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's good. Well, no, it, it means that if uh, you're not feeling all there, it means mm. that the entire gig is going to suffer, and you're not going to have someone to pick it up for you. On yeah. the other hand, that's a good thing that you can't ruin it for somebody else. It's entirely your own gig. There, there is that. Ruin. Yeah, we've had situations like that. I know where you sort of come off thinking, yeah, I fucked that up, you know, because I wasn't particularly. On it, I didn't feel particularly on it. But then, uh, you know, we we've had that where, like you've said that to me, and I've said, well, I didn't feel like it from where no. I was, or, you know. And you, so sometimes that's. I think yeah, it's nice to have someone else have there to go, yeah, on the same it. side of the stage that you're on to tell you know to tell you how they think they saw the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the you take the whole experience together. You know, the, mm. the arriving and the gig, the leaving. It's something that you sort of share. And and also, I think for us, it gives you more time. For me, it certainly gives me more time to think. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a sort of the same for you to a degree because you've got the guitar there. You've got something. Oh that... yeah, the guitar is a, another person. It's like a double yeah. act. Mm. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to see the guitar start a solo career without me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Actually, would people pay to see that? Where well, I put my guitar on a stool. It'd be like when they put used it in to the send... spotlight and it doesn't do anything for an hour. <laughs> they used to send Elvis's car around on tour and people go and see his car. You know, back in the sixties really? rather than go wow. and see him. Doing what? Just sort of maybe. Well, towards the end of his <laughs> towards the end of his career, they did mostly the same thing. This is true. Yeah. Going back to obsessing YouTube videos, there's a video of him singing. Oh, what is it? It's a ballad. I can't remember. And it's just sort of heartbreaking. He's sat at the piano and he's so fat, and and it's just, it's just awful. You think, God, that was that man that was just this incredible performer, mm -hmm. you know? Incredible. Meanwhile, you should see what his car was doing. This is true. <laughs> yeah, he was watching his off. car. Yeah, <laughs> in quick fit, and it was amazing. Yeah, but um, doing figures of eight in front of massive crowds in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, uh, I think we've asked you this before, but would you approach? Would you do stand up without the guitar? Would I've tried it a couple of times, but usually it's in a sort of chickening out kind of way, where um, it's a poetry evening, right. or I'll walk up on stage and I'll say, uh, "Just this once, I'm without the guitar, so bear with me. This won't last more than a couple of minutes." What mm -hmm. I've never done is on purpose turned up to a gig without the guitar and actually tried to do jokes, you know, straight stand up. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason I've never tried it is because that's never what I set out to do. I yeah. still have trouble coming to terms with the fact that I'm now a stand-up comedian with mm. a guitar. When I started out, I didn't see what I was doing as comedy at all. Mm. I just um, was taking part in the open mic nights at my university, playing guitar just the same as everybody else. But what I did was try and do funny lyrics, just right. to, to make it something memorable, to make it different. Yeah. I never saw it as comedy, mm. just because the lyrics were supposed to make people laugh. I didn't think of myself as someone that had to come up with jokes and segues. And yeah. it took me a good two years of performing before I finally realized that the audience would respond to me more if I literally stood up with a strap on the guitar rather right. than sitting down on a stool. Oh, yeah. So even now, I still haven't quite made the full transition to jokesmith. I yeah. still... Um, started out as a musician and would like to carry on as a musician. Mm. I think I'm, I'm more tempted to do a gig where um, I'm playing the guitar and singing a song and I don't make the audience laugh yeah. rather than the going the other way where I try and make them laugh without the, the safety net of a guitar. Mm, it's yeah. like a shield that I can hold in front of myself and quite literally shield myself from the audience. Yeah. I know it used to be the case for me because when I grew up I was in a band and that was all, I only ever wanted to be a musician and a songwriter. And when the band ended for various reasons, I would do gigs on my own and sort of the opposite to you in the sense that the songs weren't funny, but I would try and be funny around it just to sort of win people yeah. over. And I suppose that's what led me into it. But again, I, I, here's me saying when we actually do it, I never thought I would put that down and then deliver a joke. I, I don't think I can still, I, I still find it difficult to say I do stand up. I, I tend to say I'm part of a double act. That sort of tends yeah. to be my way of saying yeah, it. One, and then, one and sounds they say, what more do you shameful do? Like, than the other. You know, yeah, <laughs> I tell, it, it's, it, it's really hard because it's just, same thing, really. I think it's like a, my my internal get out clause of saying if I don't say I'm a stand up, then if it's not funny, then and yeah, I, exactly. I like, haven't admitted it. You every know? time I do a gig and someone says to me, uh, "Would you like any special introduction? What would you like me to say before you go on stage?" Mm -hmm. And I always say, "Tell the audience that there's now going to be a bit of music. Don't yeah. mention that it's funny because I want that to be a surprise." Yeah, that's it's it. A, it's like yeah. the phenomenon where um, a wedding speech or mm. something you say in prime minister's questions is funnier than a stand-up set because mm. you're not expecting to laugh. As soon yeah. as someone goes on stage and they're billed as yeah. this is a really funny person, yeah. uh, and now for oh, some totally. laugh out loud stand-up comedy. Yeah. You audience is yeah. going to sit and stare and fold their arms and say, all right, go on then, make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, if someone goes on, so like for example, um, Paul McCartney comes to mind, he did, I went to see in 2003, his Back in the World tour well. in Earl's Court. And do you remember, in that show, between the songs, he was having these um, friendly conversations with the audience. Yeah. It's as if he was uh, like a neighbour talking over a yeah. garden gate. And it was, it was really funny, mm. only because, good grief, it's TV's Paul McCartney and he's making yeah. jokes. Yeah. Whereas, it would be horrendously embarrassing if Paul McCartney uh, decided to have a little change of career at the age of 71 <laughs> yeah. and said, I'm now going to do a stand-up set and told exactly the same jokes that he did between the songs. It'd be awful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that the point is the root of comedy is surprise, isn't it? It's yeah, supposed yeah, to it, yeah. steer you away from what you were not And the best surprise is the fact that someone's making you laugh in the first place. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you find this as well, but since doing comedy as a for want of a better word, career. You know, now that comedy is, a, is my currency, mm, yeah. uh, I, I don't find anything funny anymore. And if I'm watching mm. a comedy show on TV, uh, I, I can't remember the last time I laughed and meant it. Yeah. Uh, what I end up doing is I will sort of laugh as a reflex that I'm used to from, you know, supporting my colleagues at comedy nights. Yeah. Um, and it tends to come before the joke has hit because I know where they're going with this. And that's yeah, not yeah. to say it's uh, that we're so clever. It's more that we're so jaded. Mm. Uh, however... Yeah. 
I do still laugh at some things, mostly things that aren't trying to make me laugh. Yeah. People who um, people who get things hilariously wrong. That yeah. tends to make me laugh much mm. more than a joke that's been honed and yeah. blueprinted. Yeah, because I think I, I agree. I think you, you, you dissect that. That's the, the sort of thing that you can't you help but dissect watch, it. You just it's watch the same the as if you become process. an architect. Yeah. Uh, whenever you go into a building, you look at the, uh, the joins in the wall and how yeah. it was done. And it's a shame I find myself at home, I get angry at voiceover artists and everything, every advert, everything just... Because you mm. start because it's what you do. You yeah, just, you, you when you do it yourself, uh, yeah. you hit. Like, like doing voiceovers is really funny because uh, it sort of reveals to you that mm. every single advert on the radio is being spoken by someone who thinks that the words in it are bullshit. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then you can extend that to everything in every industry ever. Yeah. No one likes what they do. No. Mm. And that's what I was saying when we were talking. Not to bring it down, sure. you know. Yeah. But no, everyone for, for me, though, and I know what you're saying, and with comedy, I, I do feel that. But there are some of the classics, things like I say with Ronnie Barker, I love Porridge, the programme. The programme. <laughs> and uh, things like Hancock's Half Hour. I go back to that. People who were great at what they did. And I think maybe because, although I am an actor and we're actors, but with what we do in comedy, it's not quite that. Because it's distanced from what we do. I enjoy it more, as mm. I think when it comes to stand-up. Well, do you know what I find myself doing? Um, I'll find something funnier if I assume that it was really innovative at the time. So, for example, I like watching... Um, I'm, I'm getting into watching Laurel and Hardy on YouTube, right. and I find it really funny, but I think I'm patronising them a little bit because I watch it assuming that back in the 30s, these audiences had seen nothing like that ever before. Yeah. And mm. so I'm watching it with these nostalgic, rose-tinted spectacles, that, you know, Decades before I was born. Yeah. And yet it helps me to enjoy it because I imagine it from another audience's point of view. As soon as something is aimed at me or right. aimed at the, uh, my generation who is alive today, I can't mm. enjoy it. I have to sort of give it the benefit of the doubt and assume, well, this must have been good for other people. So I'll enjoy it on their behalf. And I enjoy yeah. things like the Marx Brothers and Lauren Hardy and uh, old stuff. Not necessarily because it's any funnier. And also, I really should have a bit more respect for the audiences of the 30s. I'm sure they were aware when a joke was really predictable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. And some things are timeless. Some things still work whenever it is, I think. Yeah, and people um, falling over. It's funny. It's always funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, so do you think you would ever go the other way? Then? Like you, you do in your set. You know, you'll play things like the No More Colours song where you it's a more of a serious moment and I think that's what is really lovely about your stuff what I really like is that it goes from very you know funny to very affecting and really I, nice I do that mostly to make the funnier songs stand out more and also yeah. because um, I don't see a lot of musical comedians doing it like you know when you're on stage you're under so much pressure to make the audience laugh at every second and I like to um, try not to make them laugh for a while mm -hmm. and it's a similar way that when you come up with jokes you have to sort of carefully plan how are you going to get the most laughs out of this? Well, when I write a song that tries to make people sad, it's the same kind of process where I'm trying to work out, okay, what's going to really make people cry? And a lot of my... I've, I do it quite by accident, but I've noticed that loads of my songs do this where they're as upsetting as possible. <laughs> so it's a, it's a niche that I've carved out for myself. Yeah. But I enjoy doing it. Anything that evokes an emotion. What I'd like to try and do, I've not really done this yet, but I want to try and do a song that makes people angry. Or afraid, maybe. <laughs> or afraid, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I've, uh, I have done a couple of gross-out songs. Like, right. uh, there's a song, um, Skin Sofa oh, right, and yeah. Caterpillar Sick. And yeah. both yeah, of those are just to yeah. try and force the audience to have to imagine these horrible <laughs> things. Do you find with the songs that you write now, then, that there's a very clear sort of method behind it? In the same way that when we write a joke, we sort, sometimes we write stuff and we know it fits into the same sort of rhythm as something else we've done. So yeah. we sort of hit in the same points. Do you feel um, like when you write material now? Well, it gets harder to write the more songs I've done because I'll come up with an idea and I think, oh, this will be quite funny. And then I realise, oh, hang on, this is quite similar to something I've already done. Yeah. Um, and the way I normally go about writing a song is um, I'll come up with an idea and then in my head I've kind of got it exactly how it will sound in the end yeah. and work backwards, which right. uh, sounds a bit pathetic and meaningless. But... Um, Bill Bailey's got this brilliant joke where he says that um, the way he writes is he'll start from the laugh and work backwards. So like, a, oh, I want this to have a mild titter. Oh, how do I get to that? And then work yeah. back from there. Yeah, yeah. Which is really but there is something in that. I like, this is a big difference, for example, between how I work and how uh, my brother, Beardy Man, when he creates a song, he will always begin by having not the slightest clue what it'll sound like in the end. And as he goes along through whatever he's working on, he'll just add things and change things and it'll end up being something that's nothing like what he imagined at the start. And um, I tend to do the opposite, where I will sort of... Um, well, there are, there are two different stages to writing the song. The first bit is you come up with the idea, and the second bit is much more mechanical and much more um, um, 
boring, basically. Mm. The first part where you come up with the idea for, you know, what's it going to be about? What's going to make it funny? Where are the, uh, just a rhyming couplet or two that you insist is going to go in there? That bit, it helps if you're drunk or stoned. And then the bit that comes after that, where you have to make it work and you have to make it make sense and you know make sure that it rhymes and scans and all of the rest of it, um, it can take weeks, um, depending on how how good you want the song to be. And that bit, you can't really be creative anymore, because if if you are creative in the entire process, right from coming up with the idea all the way to making it, you know, finalizing it and coming up with all of the jokes and all the rhymes you'll keep on making changes throughout and then it'll end up with something that means something to you but isn't funny anymore mm. and doesn't mean anything to people who are hearing it for the first time and they're the priority. They're the only people that really matter when you're doing comedy is people mm. that hear it for the first time. So in order for that to work, um, you need to come up with the idea first, make yourself laugh and then as soon as you've got that cemented in your head, why that works, you have to stick rigidly to that idea and try really hard not to change it from then on. Right, yeah, yeah. And I tell you, I find that even with the stuff that we do, if you have an idea, for me, I think, if we have an idea, if we don't act on it quickly, we sometimes lose the inspiration behind it. Yeah, and yeah. you don't necessarily know yourself what makes it work. So no. you have to trust your instincts from when you came up with the idea yeah. and not veer away from it because you don't know why it's funny. And yeah. as long as you stick rigidly to the formula that was in your brain just for a mm -hmm. couple of seconds then, it should still work by yeah. the end of it when you've yeah. bashed if, it out and made it you, make sense. When we've done that, when we've come back to something a few months later, yeah. you've completely forgotten what it is. Well, then. there's a bit of material we do uh, about a Dutch phrase book. I don't know if you've ever seen us do that, but it sort of works because we ends where we bring some people up and they read the phrases in Dutch and we translate it and it's an awkward scene. Yeah. But I remember it was one of those things where we talked about for a while we should write this and never did it. And then when mm. we wrote it, it felt a bit sort of workaday. You know, you just think, well, it's not quite, yeah. not quite got it because I'm not inspired by it anymore. And I, I just wondered, is that the same, do you think, with you as songwriting? Do you need to act... Yeah, I'm, I, I find that I tend to get a bigger laugh for songs that are new to me. Like, if I've only written it in the last few weeks, it'll go down better in the show. And that has to be because if I've been playing it for too long, I'll end up being dead behind the eyes and I'll forget yeah. which of the bits I'm supposed to put yeah. effort into my facial expressions <laughs> for. Yeah. And um, I forget why it's funny. Yeah. And that usually shows. The audience won't see it as funny if I don't, um, if it's not fresh to me. Yeah. It becomes an impression of yourself, doesn't it? I suppose, like impression of what you did that time when it was funny and people And hoping you remember yeah. what that impression yeah. is. And yeah. it's so yeah. easy, like, I catch myself out. Like, I'll be playing a song, that, there are some songs that I've been playing for years now, and um, I can be about two thirds of the way through the song and go, oh, hang on, I've been thinking about something else. My mind's yeah. been on, um, uh, I don't know, but that, my dinner. That's yeah. like, um, for, our, for both of us, I think we've both, as actors, done shows and you've done long runs of shows, it's exactly like being an actor and you get to the point where you're on stage and you're saying... Well, it's the same skill. And exactly, That's why comedians exactly often that, go yeah. on to, to be actors because yeah. Um, yeah. saying the same words over and over yeah. again and meaning them is yeah. exactly the same skill as well, giving meaning to somebody else's words yeah, because exactly. you have to believe it every time. So, and, you know, yeah. it's wanky as that sounds, but you No, do. it's true. You, and I think I've seen comedians where they don't connect with their material and it's just you can see that it's made up. You can see that it's yeah. it's they don't really believe these stories that they have made up. You know, where yeah. you've got to sort of engage with it and, and make it feel like it's the first time you're saying it. Yeah, and the audience that's, can that's tell. The, that's the art. And they, yeah, they can. They're astute. Yeah. They are. Yeah, it really so, is. Yeah. So and for example, as someone like Tom Goodliffe, we've always mm. said about he's actually a very good actor, and mm. I don't think he realizes it because we've seen him so many times. Like we've seen you so many times in different yeah. environments, and but he's always very good at making it feel like it's the first time and, and listening yeah. to the room and, and we were talking to him when he was here last month I think yeah. and we asked him a bit about it he said oh no I've never really done the acting I sort of learnt a bit when I was doing the show with Beck Hill but, but he's definitely got the skills yeah and it's a really admirable skill and it makes yeah. for a great comedy if you, yeah, can, if you can act like that because then you, then you can I think read you know where a laugh's going to come you can sort of anticipate it you can sort of work in your sort of yeah to do it properly you kind of have to have an out of body experience yeah, when you're yeah. on stage you need to imagine it from the audience's point of view yeah. so that you can yeah. read the room and you know leave yeah. the pauses at exactly the right moment yeah yeah it does feel like that I was thinking that tonight actually I was doing the piece of material we did tonight which we've done a lot of times <coughs> about the beard board and you, it, it, it was nice because it felt like a, a nice audience tonight and the reaction was quite good but I did exactly that I was thinking there's a lot I'll just wait a little bit longer because I can hold that a little bit longer because I know that I'm going to say that 
it, yeah, it, mm. it, it, subconsciously there is that whole process going on. The well, whole there's time. a rhythm, isn't there? I think yeah. it's like music in that sense. There's, mm. de- there's a definite oh, yeah. rhythm, and you can break it, and there's things you can yeah. do. But there is. A Although way. we seem to have contradicted ourselves by saying yep. that an out-of-body experience on stage can be a good thing or a really bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very confused metaphors. There's a rhythm in comedy that isn't it's always good. there, and you can break it, and you have to step outside of it. But no, but being sp- I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking. It's about. late. It's it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's, gone, it's gone midnight. It's that. Yeah. that but the good thing is your computer is fully charged now. Brilliant. So that was oh brilliant. good. That we, was we, time we, we could carry on to hours of small, small hours. That's yeah. good. Well, thanks as ever for coming back. Yeah, you're very you welcome. Thanks for having. I, I love this gig. It's good oh, to come nice. back. I'm sure you'll be back very soon. Yes. Night, night, night. Bye. Sleep well. So that was Jay Foreman there. Jay Foreman there. He was right there, right there, right then, mm-hmm. right here, right now. Uh, it's just occurred to me. You know, I said my first CD um, was Magical Mystery Tour. Yes. Off the ground. That was true. Probably my first 12 inch. 12-incher, yeah. uh, was Chesney Hawks, I Am The One and Only. Ah, so not so good. It's all coming out now, yeah. isn't it? See? And the B-side was, uh, you're going to make it, but it's going to be tough. I think it was something. It was, it was that, I really um, empathised with that. I thought, you know, that was a, that was I a don't remember one. that song. It, I am The One and Only, you're going to make it, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it was, it was quite good. Uh, good, okay. in inverted commas. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's not all cool with me, really. No, no, you really like. let, me, let me let yourself down there, is what I was yeah, going to say. sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, next up we have an interview with Sean Hughes. We're very lucky to have him here. Uh, first time he's played mostly comedy this evening. And he, we booked him very much to mark the fact that it was our fifth birthday. And yes. It sort of is. shows how much the club has gone on from when we first mm. started, when we just booked everyone, that w- just the only people that we knew really, mm-hmm. uh, friends from school and the like, yep. to now where we book Sean Hughes, which is mm. pretty incredible. So let's listen to him talking now. Sean Hughes. Sean Hughes. Uh, so we're sat here with Sean Hughes, who just finished his set at Mostly, which was fab. Woo! Can yeah. I just say welcome to Hitchin? Welcome it's to Hitchin. It's a bit late, yeah. we're saying welcome. Well, you know, in yeah. a kind of podcast so sense. is it uh, got a clay pigeon no. factory? I don't no. even know what that was so. all about. No. The, funnily enough, the guy you were speaking to, the missile guy, he's a mate of my dad's. Right. So that's true. Right. But the clay pigeon thing, I don't think that's true. I think we'd know, wouldn't although, we? Although, yeah, although fascinating if it is, well... Kind yeah. of boring, but you know, sort of fast. I suppose it doesn't need to be that big to be the biggest one, really. This no. will make no sense to anyone who's listened to this. We might play the little bit of the clip from the show just to actually kind of make oh, sense. That's, that's clever. Oh, look at that. Yeah, oh, yeah, so you're just going to be putting my stuff on now. Yeah, we'll yeah. do all that. We're making a DVD. <laughs> we're going to sell yeah. it and everything. Make loads of money. Uh, so you were the youngest ever winner of the Perrier? I believe. I haven't yeah. been keeping tabs for it. I think it's... I don't ever win go, what is your year then? Yeah. <laughs> it's on, uh, oh, was it Wikipedia said 24? Were you 24 when you won it? Is that right? Um... Does that sound about right? Well, <laughs> see, that's the thing. I'm terrible. That's I, I never write an autobiography, but for two reasons. One, I think it's really indulgent, but I'm just, I don't know years. It's just, mm, they don't yeah. really interest me that much. So did, what, had you been working on stand-up for a long time before that? Was it yeah. like I your first when I was, year of doing it? No, I kind of, um, I started when I was 17. So I was always driven to do comedy, but um, it was my third Edinburgh. Oh, right. So I went up with um, a couple of guys as a package deal the first year, and then okay. second year I went up with Steve Frost and did a really weird show, which we were told we were only we only did about twelve nights, and we were told extend it because you're going to be nominated for a Perrier, and we extended it, and we weren't getting anyone in because no one knew who we were, <laughs> and we didn't even get nominated. So uh, so that was a bit weird because we had to do this by public demand. We're extending again. Well, I was there last night. There was only three other people. There. <laughs> And then the next year. But it was, it was really weird because um, I don't like the circuit. I still find, like, your gig's a lovely gig, but I don't like doing 20-minute sets. You see it takes me 50 minutes to get into stuff. And, um, and so I, I decided I wasn't doing the circuit anymore. And I kind of went out and did a very thematic show in, in Edinburgh. And then I, was, like, I thought, well, this is my own voice. And if it doesn't work, then it's not meant to be. And then mm. I kind of found my voice, which is vital for a comic. Yeah. Did you find, was it pressured when you'd won it, or was it as good as it was bad, do you know what I mean? Well, but I, I see, I don't really take it that serious, and like, I don't see my life as a career as well, so it's, um, so I, I just, I really didn't take it that serious, like, right, yeah. and like, it, it all kind of fell into place, like, I got a TV show and stuff out, but so, looking back, I was extremely lucky and very fortunate, and I probably took it all, like, I guess the arrogance of youth as well, yeah. but um, I did take it all in my stride, and yeah, I was just kind of blessed, really. Like very lucky, especially yeah. when you look at the climate now, and you just there's so many talented people who just don't get a shot of television. I think mm-hmm. it's awful. How is it approaching stand up now compared to what you how you used to approach it then? Has it changed a lot? Or? Um, well, I, I quit for about seven years because I felt I wanted to write novels and I could do the ideas better in those. But now I think I'm talented enough to 
Like, that's why it was interesting doing that stuff tonight about Hamas, which is quite a convoluted story, but mm. and it's just, uh, it's, you, if you've got the skill to be able to do that, then it's really good. But I, I kind of, I, I lost my way a bit in life and um, I just didn't have anything to say because I, I, success came really young. So, yeah. like, that's why, in a sense, I feel for the young ones now because, like, they're doing arenas, but they just come. Well, what are you going to talk about next year? Because yeah. nothing's really going to happen in your life. It's very precious, yeah, we, we've seen so many people since we started five years ago. We've been lucky, I and mean, we've had loads of people that have gone on and done really well the last couple of years. Yeah. But you do watch every year, thinking, what are they going to do next mm. year? Well, if this is their main, this massive show they've done this year. What's next? And you're even more in the spotlight, aren't you? Yeah, so and it just gets precious. the pressure gets worse every year, and there's no letting up. It's sort but of, yeah, I just don't think. Like I think. Uh, I, I don't really agree with arena comedy at all. I think no. you get to a certain level and then you, you shouldn't no, really yeah. play to anymore. It's strange, yeah. isn't it? It's just strange. It just doesn't work. No. I, there's mm. one particular comic that I, I won't name, cause I'm, and I think it's great, but the, the thing is what he does is very much audience participation. And you watch it, the DVD of it and he's talking to the front row, but you think, how does that read? Yeah. Who's that? It only kind of uh, works Murray. Oh, right. Yeah. But he doesn't really do stadiums, he does theatres. No, I saw him at the O2, I think. He did the, I, did, I didn't see it, but he was on there, no, I'm sure. No, I don't think you he did. No, Al wouldn't sell that out. But He'd I, love to, but... Yeah. <laughs> but you just, yeah, I think that's why we like what we do He's, here, because yeah. it's a small room. And well, I've seen no, Peter Kay do it. Peter Kay did it, didn't he, the O2 yeah. and... Frank Skinner's And then again, he's talking to people at the front, and you think, that only really reads when you actually watch it back on DVD, but you think those people in that audience, well, how many of them actually read? Really yeah, but that's what I mean, they are basically just looking at the DVD, because you're looking yeah. at the screen mm. if you're that far out the head. Like, yeah. it's, kind of, yeah. it's more event comedy rather than... Yeah. Comedy is a live event, and arenas don't really serve that purpose. Mm. So it's, it's just people who want to go, oh, yeah. I went to see, yeah. uh, you know, John Bishop, whatever. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of a different kind of comedy, really, to what yeah. I'm interested in. I remember seeing John Bishop talking on Live at the Apollo about... Um, he was talking about when he played his first London gig and it was at Leicester Square Theatre. And the whole sort of gag was about the fact, um, you know, I built up, this is the end of the tour, all my friends are going to come to see it. And then it was in the little room at yeah. the theatre and he was sort of making a joke out of that. And I thought that was strange because I thought so many comics have come from that background of playing in little rooms. But yeah, for him, so it, it, the joke was that, you know, he expected to be a big venue and then it wasn't. Um, but it sort of seems strange to me because so many people that we've known and seen they start out in all the little clubs and yeah, stuff but, and they but a lot of really good ones stay there as well yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. like you kind of you think about uh, like it's a bit of a tricky one because a lot of them aren't polished mm. but still some of them you know like it just like it really hit home uh, this week when Felix died right yeah. And um, and it was that thing of like the BBC are doing a tribute to him, and, and I I sent a tweet out. I saw it, yeah. yeah. And I I really believe that, and I just think, you know, I I didn't want to get into the whole thing of well, don't make that mistake again, and look at some people that you're ignoring, and maybe give them a slot now mm. rather than like saying oh yeah, we love them and give them when they're dead. Yeah. But they like it's just a thing. Uh, which I find extremely annoying is, and the BBC, they all do it to a degree, but they have their little stable. And like, I think Lee Mack's very funny, but just give him one show. He doesn't have to be on four shows yeah, yeah. when there's loads of comics. Like, you know, I think they should spread that out a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. and make it, like, you know, it's just that, you know, Miranda Hart, you know, she has to be in everything now. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. pathetic, it really yeah, is. It's sort of that's, that's, that's what I mean about these people we've had here. And we've had a couple of people I know that, um, are doing everything, all the panel shows, all the, mm. you know, every sort of show that's on, and you, you just think, well, how long is that going to last? The pressure on that person then, yeah. and the sort of amount of stuff they're doing. Well, I remember, it's like, we might as well name people, I remember Josh Widdicombe saying about yeah. him, sort of asking how he's doing now, because he came and played like our first few mostly comedies, yeah. and then yeah. in the times that we've run, he's gone on to do what he's done. And he's saying, well, it's hard because I've got less time to do everything that I need to do. I'm working on the show, yeah. it's going to be seen by more people, but I've got less time to make it the same standard of... Yeah, but yeah. that's his choice. He can pull back. Well, okay, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. True. And and it's not a bad position to be in. You know? But no. I tell you the, the big differences as well, because when, when I started, I'm, like, I'm part of the problem, because like, well, there's a huge difference in the sense of when I started was in the late 80s, early 90s, when we weren't doing it to get on television. It was like mm. we were kicking against the pricks, like, and it was to, to bring down... Like, and, like, I was never into the political, oh, Thatcher's a bitch, you know, I just found that comedy a bit pathetic, really, but there was a movement to do new comedy, and it was very exciting, and it was just, what was amazing was being able to get on stage and express yourself, that's what we were talking about, it wasn't going, 
like now you go well if I do 10 minutes and then I get the 20 minute start and then I get on the Apollo yeah, then yeah. I get on a panel show and then yeah. and this is the ridiculous thing now and it wasn't about that and we've opened the doors for people to kind of abuse that power a little right. bit and it's like unfortunately um, it's gone back to exactly the way it was like television uh, comedy now is like it was in the 70s mm. and uh, like and it, like there's there's still people like myself and Mark Thomas and Stuart Lee and Richard who are of the old guard, who actually still are doing edgy and interesting stuff, but you kind of need some young people, mm. brand new people to just, because otherwise it, you won't bring the kids. Like, yeah. kids aren't going to start following us, middle-aged people, we're on Pied Pipers. Yeah. Yeah. So that you need some young people to kind of do it for the right reasons now. Yeah, yeah. There has to be a movement. And like you say, yeah. you look at, like, primetime Saturday comedy now, it is very much like 70s sitcom, yeah. isn't it? It's like a low, a low all over God, again. Oh, yeah, it is. But... Nowhere near as good, that's the problem. No, that's it. That's yeah, they'll be saying that in 30 years about this yeah, stuff as well. Yeah, true. Yeah. How do you find... What, what do you see yourself as? Would you say you're more a, a comic or a writer or well, an actor or is it a bit of... Well, like, I kind of... like. It's a bit like... Uh, sometimes comedic machine is a bad word, but like I'm, I'm a stand-up comic and everything else, you know, it's just chance of my arm, really. Um, but I, I kind of... I'm very much... My comedy comes from the heart... And that's not very much in vogue. I like to talk about emotions, yeah. and um, but like it's that thing of like you know I love mixing it up and I, I love a kind of cheeky gag as well. But um, like I took tremendous pleasure doing that. I don't know if you heard the Ralph Harris joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's obviously terribly libelous, but it's yeah. just it's just a classic gag where they're not expecting. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a really sweet moment. Yeah, but you know, just trying to tell your mum to book up her ideas, but um, but it is that thing of uh, so yeah I like I. Can I, I'm very much of that school of if I wasn't a um, a comic, I would have been a psychiatrist or a preacher. Right. You right. know, it's very much I want to connect. Yeah, mm. and uh, they're the they're the only comics I really really love, mm. and they're the ones that were my big influences as well. Who were? Who well, like you know, Richard Pryor was the reason yeah, I did right. comedy, and then um, like obviously Hicks, uh, mm. but he came slightly after me. But it was just great working with him and stuff, and um, and just. Like, you know, Billy Connolly in his heyday was just phenomenal. Yeah. Kind of, um, and so people like that, they're, they're the ones I just went, oh, they're the only ones I... Because, I, like, character comedy just leaves me cold. I just... Uh, and I, I yeah, appreciate yeah. how talented they are yeah. and all that, but I just go, I don't get what you Why are you putting on a hat? Yeah, it's yeah. that sort of shut-off thing, isn't it? We've seen sometimes that where people, you know, something's not working, but they just have to carry on with this script that's just really sort of stale. Yeah, it can, it's a, it can work. Oh no, it absolutely really can. Yeah. But, but I know you mean. Like we we love that. Barry from Watford and we have him on a lot here and it, I think that really works because he's very believable as a character as well. Yeah. Really well, say someone like Steve Coogan doing and yeah. Partridge and things like that, that sort of stuff. You, you get to the point where that is, a, it is the person, Adam Partridge is the, is the yeah. person. But yeah, it is, a, yeah. Yeah, but I, the support of mine, I just it just yeah. leaves me completely cold. Mm. Right. I mean, that's what I was always liked about this club. When you're in a room where it can be quite powerful, you know, comedy can be quite mm. powerful and mm. really affecting. And when you're in a room, you think all of us are sharing this experience. Oh, and it's just of that moment. Because you know? yeah. weirdly, the the line that I was trying to open with, mm. and it's I do it in the full show. I do it in both my shows. It's a line that will be always in the show, right. and it's just about how um, I just. It's about, uh, you know, it's just a comedy show, but this is our moment together. Like mm. I say, I might, meet, I might meet somebody as, I might have met somebody as before, I might meet somebody as afterwards, but this is the only yeah. time mm. we're ever going to be in a room together. This is our, philosophically, this is our moment together in life. Yeah. Since we will never be together as a group of people. And then obviously I have the punch on where, unless there's a murder, then give yourself a questioning. <laughs> but so you always put the gag on it, but it yeah, was yeah. to put that thought, because I want yeah. people to go, oh, fuck yeah, it's right. Yeah. And like, just, like with your club, it's just, uh, people remember the hip woman and they remember the clay pigeon yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what a good comedy can work a room really well yeah. and that's just off that moment isn't it yeah yeah and that's you know I'm not going to try and you know, that into a show yeah because <laughs> yeah. like, this is when, when you have a good uh, let me go I'll, I'll try and fit the end just yeah. let it go yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what is there a theme to your show that you're doing at the moment or? well yeah the one uh, I'm doing Cambridge like I'm, I'm only doing seven more of them then that's gone forever well, that's about right. my dad right. dying Right. But uh, that's an amazing show. It's just because it's it's the first show that um, it affects people. Where I just get like I don't hang out and afterwards, but no. you, unfortunately it's Twitter and stuff like that. But it just where mm. it, it emotionally moves people. Right. 
and that's, that makes it really special. Like, you know, yeah. I just I think that's so much more interesting to watch when you actually get something else from it other than just. Well, I like you, if you guys want tickets for the camera show, you're more than welcome. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think there's some available, <laughs> but I, I can give you some like that. You won't have to pay anything, but you'll see what I'm talking about. But that's that's yeah. just a yeah. It's a really powerful show. We came to see you up in uh, Edinburgh a couple of years ago. I'm trying to think. Quincy. No, no, we came to see oh, you no, a couple of years ago. Do you know Quincy? Do you know Quincy? I played with Oh, yeah, no, he... Yeah, that's true, actually. Because you say he did a show about his... Yeah. Was it his wife? Dying, I can't... Uh, yeah, that was definitely in and there, it, wasn't it? it was and it was just heartbreaking. Was but yeah, at the same time, just beautiful yeah. and hilarious. And it was a shame, because I remember he got really it's bad reviews, really, and it seemed to be from people... Yeah. yeah, people who I think were just expecting gags that and weren't there. We had him was, down here, didn't we, as well? Yeah, and it, a couple it, of times. It, for me, the most watchable person, you know, that yeah. we'd had at that point, because he was just... There was so much more to it than just someone going on stage and telling gags. Yeah, well, yeah like, he definitely talks about his family and stuff. I yeah. found quite stayed on stage. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this show was very good in that I think it was because it meant more to him. Yeah, yeah. Really I think it's probably across, that. Yeah. He found a subject, you know, found something but personal to him. Then from January, I'm, I'm touring Penguins, which I did in Edinburgh this oh, yeah. year. Right. And that's, like, that becomes a full touring show, so it becomes mm. a two-hour show that becomes looser, and you okay. do that cool. stuff for the audience, which you don't do in Edinburgh. But mm. And that's about... Uh, Life not telling, not letting society tell you how to live your life. Mm. Right. So, um, so that asks questions. But like it's a companion piece in a sense because because I, the dad show evokes so many memories. I've, I've gone into my childhood. Right. So I talk mm. about education about how you don't really learn anything from your education. Mm. You do at the time, but not actually from the teachers. But you learn mm. from that. And yeah. It's, um, yeah, and it's about. Like one of the big barriers of that is, uh, which I nearly went into, like tonight I nearly went into a lot of stuff, but it talks about, we, we do live in the biggest generation gap, because uh, people under 29 and over 29, that's, mm -hmm. they'll never will meet because they're computer literate. Mm -hmm. And so that's a huge difference, it really yeah. is, where people have brought up computers and people that weren't. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, but it goes beyond, like when you think about it, it really does, because like, it's just where you, you're able to Google anything, where mm -hmm. we have to think, everything for ourselves and like it's a line I still haven't done on stage and I'm really looking forward to doing it but it's, just, it's not funny it's more an interesting line but um, like the thing is to, today Google wouldn't be invented because the people who would invent that would be too busy on Google <laughs> and it's you know it's a paradox it, yeah. yeah just the fact you can have any information yeah. essentially in your pocket you, you take it for granted it's every so often I think I stop and you know, every so often, occasionally you do kind of stop and go we didn't have this. They didn't have yeah, this when we were in our at school in our well, lifetime. Yeah. You know, yeah, the and now is no one had, and yeah, people up younger than us will never even stop to think that because they'll just go, "That's what that's just there." Yeah, but mm. we've all had that as well. But it's, it's yeah. just it's it's multiplied quite yeah. rapidly mm. to like the big change where yeah. people because it's just that thing of uh, you know we had our hardships in school and you just really fumbled through and made mm. the most of your personality. I I'd imagine. Like I certainly would have been seen as autistic uh, in some form, which I think all yeah. comics are, because that's what gives you that weird mm. brain span. Mm, yeah. but, but we were just given that freedom to just kind of go, well, just a bit weird. Yeah. But now you go, oh, no, no, he has to go to special go, he's autistic. Yeah. You know? and, and that's, I think there's too much of uh, boxing people off now. Yeah. You know, it's all kind of, like, you know, in, in the Penguin Show, there's that one of the big changes in life is, that day when the guy came into the pub and says, from here on in, I'm taking records. You know, because then you get that every time mm. in the news. Oh, as a yeah, feeling yeah. the second artist to your license of records began. Yeah, you go, yeah. that means nothing. Yeah. Why, are you, why are we having to compare, contrast yeah. everything rather than just living our lives? Yeah. So like, what I try to, like, it's really funny when you're just watching, like I saw it burn briefly on telly earlier on, and uh, I'm watching Jason Manford do his uh, stick about First World and, and how to do that spiel in the interviews. And go, oh yeah, it's about our problems are all. And then Ed going, yeah, it's about you know angry at forties, and it's a nice easy catch on. Yeah. People yeah. go, so what's Penguins about? And I go, it's satirical shit. <laughs> <laughs> just go, I'm not going to see that then. Mm. But like, it's always I don't like a very I like to I put too many ideas into the stuff, mm. and that's the way I operate. And so you, you'll fly with someone, you you can have a little relaxation at the time, but I. I can't do all these shows about a bottle of water. Yeah. I'm going to really analyse a bottle of water. It's just not yeah, the way yeah. I operate, really. But it just makes it really hard to... Like, just, yeah. And I think we suffered from sales from Life Comes Noises because they go, so it's a show about your, dad, your dad dying. And you just hear people listening and they're ready to go, well, I'm not going to go see that. <laughs> Why the fuck would I want to go see that? Yeah. And like, that's the thing, like, it's, it's the most uplifting show I've ever done. Right. 
but trying to explain it to people because yeah. I'd have to be told by three different people that's a good show yeah. if someone says it's about his yeah. dad because it's not about my dad dying it's about the fact that we're all alive mm-hmm. every one of my shows is about the fact that we're all alive yeah. and kind of like I have Irish friends and they're the only ones who tend to analyse the shows and they just go there's a uh, my friend Sean who runs a festival in, in Belfast who just go, Sean, are your shows about redemption? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I go, are they? Well, I think about that. <laughs> but you know, I think the thing is you do get one good idea and then you run with that. Yeah. And mine is just to be truthful in comedy. Mm. And with something like the subject with the one about your dad, was it cathartic? No. Really? But no, because it's very much, it's a bit like, uh, like poetry as well. And once you put a poem out, it's for other people to mm-hmm. take what they want from a and they have to do their interpretation. Yeah. So, no, um, it, I didn't find it cathartic at all. Right. It, it was it was very much because, um, like, weirdly, my my brothers are really. I got two brothers, and they're really iffy about the show. I'm right. rightly say because I'm talking about mm. real people, and obviously I embellish. Yeah, but so they wouldn't have found it cathartic, but strangers find it extremely cathartic because right. they're yeah. hanging their shit onto it, and yeah. that's what it should be about. Mm. But do you find revisiting? sort of a difficult subject for you is that difficult every night or do you have no. you just found that it's no I've like weirdly um, I wear my dad's slippers on stage right I don't mention it I just right. I okay. just happen to right. That's nice. have them yeah. and so just and so there's little things like that but I think mm. it's but it's a bit like that like the most ridiculous truthful cliche is time's a great healer so I don't even think about my dad in those moments yeah you know I'll I'll do that thing I'll think about my dad as I'm watching kind of you know, yeah, a kind of cartoon and some memory right. will trigger, mm-hmm. but certainly not on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where would you? Did you see that you would be where you are now? Do you think, or is it something you would sooner have done? Or where would you? No, I kind of. Um, well, as I said, I've just never seen it as a career. So it's. Um, but it's just that, like, as I said, I was so fortunate to do Sean Show and, and be given all that freedom. So, and then I got the second bite with the Buzzcocks, and I just went, yeah, I'm not really using any brain cells in this show at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be remembered for that. So then you kind of, you leave that go. And then I probably won't get another go at television, but I can live with that. And I'm not desperate for it, but I'd love to do some television, but it would have to be under my own terms. And Mm. I can't see them rushing to me like, you know. And I suppose if you had it in your own terms initially, to a degree, it's quite hard to not have that. I know, I know, it's weird, but... So yeah, it's just like, the only reason I want to do television is... So more people come to see the live shows, yeah. mm. and unfortunately, television sells now. It's mm. uh, it's ridiculous. So it's just that thing of um, it's trying to kill off the celebrity element because I never really bought into that anyway. Mm. I never like uh, you never see me doing celebrity stuff. No, and uh, but I'm still seeing as a Z-list celebrity. They, they mm-hmm. kind of give it to me and take it away from me in their own little yeah. world without yeah. being involved at all. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you can give me whatever alphabet you want. I don't deem myself a celebrity at all no. but like then sometimes your ego will get the better of you at the Penguin show um, uh, I love it like there's a 15 minute joke at the start of the show it's quite a long joke <laughs> but it is about absolutely true story where the um, I went into my local grocer and he went oh terrible Sun newspaper what are you Sean and this is me just buying right. you know an orange yeah. or something and I'm going them saying about the sun the sun saying you disappeared off the face of the earth and like, you're just going, oh my God, why am I having to fucking deal with that in a grocery store? This yeah. guy just killing my ego. And that, <laughs> that kind of, yeah. that momentum builds to a huge breakdown, right. you know, uh, yeah. in the show. Which, what, what I love about it, because I'm not a bad actor, is I have to explain to them that I'm, I'm joking, because people go, oh, Jesus, really heavy. Right, really. And people, yeah. because it's just really odd that, because um, it, it's always odd, even when I come to a place like this, and, and like, the liking your stuff and then they're like the guy with the guitar and, yeah. and I'm going oh I'm actually quite dour and you yeah. know <laughs> telling the truth because like, yeah. some people's idea of comedy is they go why, why are you talking about yeah. you're not loving your mum why are you doing that because yeah. like the thing is and it sounds horseshit but comedy's best is when it serves as a mirror for society and you hold up those values yeah. and I like to be able to hold them up but because comedy's gone all arena now, people just go, "What are you talking about? We just want to, we want to get away from that." But yeah. I personally find it the most uplifting thing to mm-hmm. be dragged into it, thought. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so once I can do that, I'm absolutely fine. But yeah. as I say, like you put me in the comedy store, that could go either way now because I just I'm not yeah. built to go bang, bang, bang anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just best to play to your own audience, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, but try do. and build it as well, like you know. Yeah. But like as I said, they weren't my audience tonight, and like you still. 
like it, it always takes them a couple of minutes and then they totally relax into what I do. Yeah. But it, they, they always, even in the Love Your Own, it still takes them a couple of minutes to right. just go, well, what's he on about? I guess there's a pressure as well, isn't it? When you go and see something, the pressure to enjoy it, the pressure to just sort of relax. Do you know when you go and as see an comedy? audience? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think, well, you know, sometimes well, people overthink it. Like, yeah. I was, I was purposely going to try and start with that song because it gets the atmosphere going really well. Because yeah. I'm a terrible fucker for just killing the atmosphere straight away. <laughs> like you know, to be fair, my my opening line is like, oh, by the way, my dad was in the IRA. <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah. it's not like a big crowd pleaser, but no. just something about, and it's not a self-destruct thing, but I just go, mm. well. You'll have to come to me rather than me go to you. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. Really. But, well, we, I was saying this to someone else. I can't remember. I think it was uh, David Earl who was on uh, working with Ricky Gervais recently, and I, he came here and did another character, Brian Gittins. Gittins. And I was saying to him, "Do you find it easier, having done television at some point, that people have that familiarity? So you don't go on stage as an unknown and have to really work at." getting them on your side there's an element of the audience on your side because they know who you Absolutely. are because tonight it really felt like like that I mean everyone was sort of anticipating you coming on which is, yeah. which is fantastic no really there's, nice. that definitely helps which is really good you know, it's, a nice, it's, it's a good starting point you know? yeah no 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 like uh, but see this is why because you're blessed if you're doing a, a show yeah like a one man show they're there to see you so yeah. you just yeah. relax into it yeah. I never get nervous for no. a two hour show but I get nervous for a five minute benefit show mm. right because I just know like I see benefits a bit like even 20 minutes that's a bit like speed dating yeah yeah. you know because I, 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 in Edinburgh this year I did uh, I did the playhouse so I did three and a half thousand people but because of what time my show was on I had to headline that following a ventriloquist and a fucking beatbox band so you know the audience <laughs> yeah, go yeah, crazy yeah. for that shit yeah. and I go out and go alright fuckers <laughs> nobody loves me you know yeah. it's, and it's kind of that thing but you yeah. kind of you once you've got a couple of good gags, that, that, mm. that takes care of the five minutes. But it'll always be uneven because I don't like to do a slick show. Yeah. And it's quite literally, I think, I did refer to it as speed dating. and just Because it is quite literally going, hi, my name's Sean, I like apples. Night! Yeah. Mm. And then the next comment's coming out going, yeah. I like pears. Yeah. Well, you see Phil Kay, you know, if you, with him you have to listen to the whole yeah. thing, you have to listen to the story and take that in. But if you see him doing a five-minute spot on something like that, I know. it's often struggled mm. because yeah. they just think... So did you have him here recently? Yeah, a few yeah. times. We had him here last month. Yeah, fact. last month. Did it go well? Yeah, good. Yeah. We've he's, had him He's of always done really well here. I've read reports, things people have said yeah. about him. But well, he I, wasn't drunk then, no? No. No, no, he's no I like done. Phil. He's a good bloke. Yeah, he's, he was always, he's always gone down really well in Hitchin. And I think there's a load of people who come to Mostly Comedy who really enjoy seeing him. He, so for right. us, was sort of the turning point. He was the first act that we booked that we really, really wanted to have and was mm. someone that we'd sort of seen when we were younger, that sort of thing. So it was like a turning point when yeah. you go from... When we first so started... So you're best friends then, you two? Yeah. 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 Can we say that? On, is that? Yes, we are. Yeah. Not lovers, just best friends. No. Yeah, but you make so many references to homosexuality in a show. We did, there is a bit of an undercurrent. It's just, yeah, there, it's yeah. hidden, isn't it? Um, well, we share the same birthday as well. It's yeah. a bit weird. When is that? 14th of May. So a different we, years. You have falling out, so yeah. yeah. I think it's it's a bit like a marriage. I, yeah, I, yeah, do I you have girlfriends and stuff? Yeah, good marriage. Yeah, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, but I think yeah, because you is it's like a sort of relationship, isn't it? Without consummating it, you got that thing of yeah. You know, you know what the other one's thinking. You have that sort of yeah. But at the same time, you know, yeah, you do fall out and you do because you spend a lot of time in each other's pockets yeah. is the thing and like if we're going to do Edinburgh or something and you step but then we're not too bad we never share a room and we do you know so you've no. sort of got a bit of space but have you got kids as well though? I've just had a baby actually yeah literally just a few months ago well a month or so ago wow. it was premature so it was all a bit kind of up in the air and a bit kind what, of scary how, how uh, 12 weeks early so it was born. fine huh? yeah fine no it came out of hospital last week so it's it's all sort it's of so everything yeah everything's been quite stressful and we haven't actually worked sort of seen each other for about a month so no. it, it, it's unusual because normally with mostly comedy we see each other quite regularly or we try and look get together and do stuff <laughs> but, when you, something new. but then it's, when you've been away for like yeah. a month to keep apart it suddenly feels like oh we're it's like getting back into the rhythm again you know, you're yeah. Yeah. on stage with someone that you've not really seen well, but that's the other thing like because like I, like I'm on tour at the moment but I'm doing that other show but I think I did a show last week but it's always like do that show again tomorrow it's even better because you're yeah. a tiny bit rusty yeah. when you're going on and you're feeling yeah. a room as well yeah. mm. that's why I like to do Edinburgh because you're just sitting there mind you yeah, Edinburgh nice. is really weird because like you know it's one thing that's purpose they're there to see you but they're not really they're there to mm. see a comedy show that happens to be you right. yeah. big difference yeah. you know when on tour they're there to see you and so Edinburgh, you get some really duff nights. And you go, what the fuck is wrong with you? People just paid yeah, in to yeah. see me. I, I love and I hate Edinburgh. We, we've done Edinburgh 
uh, a few times, but we did the free fringe the last few yeah. years, and the the they're so non-committal as an audience because you've just pulled them in because yeah. it's free. They really haven't invested anything in what your show is, and yeah. we just really struggled with it. We you had you really really hit a miss, isn't it? But that's what I mean. But they're a bit like that even with the paid audience. Yeah. You just some nights we just go. I suppose it's an yeah. overkill as well. They've seen so many shows. Yeah, I just I mean I can't. Sometimes one comedy show in an hour, an hour's show, you know, you kind of be tired. But tiring. But to see four or five shows in a row that are all an hour long, I, know. It's just, yeah. I can't do it. No, you don't have time. to, it's fine. Because no, I'm probably, like, I think if I go next year, I'll do a play with Owen, which will write and be oh, here. Cool. And then, because I, I can, see, the weird thing is, because, like, all the shows I, the last two years shows, they'll be very narratives. And uh, which is fine and they're great but they get better once Edinburgh's finished and that's the way right, Edinburgh yeah. should be even though it just gets reviewed straight away but yeah. um, but this year I'm probably if I'm doing the play I'll, I'll go up with a kind of 40 minute set knowing that I can make that 55 minutes right. every night mm-hmm. just from fucking about yeah. and uh, like to, to start doing that again because yeah. I, I just don't get the opportunity to do it that often Right. and uh, you know because I think if you're good at that you know you need to have that space to be able to do it yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, it is good. I think, and that we've sort of said to ourselves, we want to go back there to a paid venue, but well, that's going to cost. Which is how we started. But we the started, first yeah. year we did it, we just spent a lot of money. We didn't really know what to spend it on, really. So we spent more than we had. We went to the Gilded Balloon, did a yeah. play, but tried to sell it like a stand-up thing. What was it? It was a, um, a three-hander comedy that we wrote uh, that we should have classed as theatre, but we sort of made it uh. about us as a double act. Uh, well, we sold it as us as a double did it act. Go well. Uh, it went well, well with audiences, but we didn't get very the good reviews. The reviews were crap because uh, because I think they expect you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and cause the combination of you're losing money every day, yeah. and then you're reading this stuff oh, telling no. you that you're shit. It's just so it was just horrendous, really. You know, it, 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 was, it, it was tough. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a. F- I look on it you now, and it was an, yeah, it was a really good learning curve, massive learning curve. But yeah, not yeah, a happy can't experience, especially yeah. now. They, there's so many people reviewing stuff that just don't know their stuff. Oh, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you get. Someone who doesn't even go and see stuff and generally review. I, I pay very little attention to it. Yeah, I guess because for us it was our first Edinburgh. It means more because yeah, you no, just want no, the thing. But yeah, audience. but like you know, like the thing is, like all comics are really sensitive. Mm. You know, it's mm. just a show that you go, hey, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But you know, mm. when I read a bad review, it hurts. But I get over it very quickly. Mm. But you know, it still hurts. It's that endless competition, I think, isn't it? But your internal yeah. competition of like with other people as well. You kind of. You see other people, you're chatting to other people, you start, everyone's on the same kind of level at the, set, at the beginning, and you're going, Yeah, I'm going to do that show. Then you go to Edinburgh and, you get, and it, yeah, everyone sort of split, splits off, and other people are doing it really well and being really excited every day, and we're kind of there going, Yeah, it's going I think all right. we, we've learned to deal with it better now. Yeah. Because definitely. we sort of say, Well, anything anyone says about us, we've probably said it about ourselves anyway. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, we, we've always found ourselves very, we're very, very self critical. Well, the kind of rule is like, like, if you're found out, that's all good and well, but if you are really behind the show, then it doesn't really matter what people think. And that is an arrogance, it's just, you know, yeah. you have to be that self-assurance yeah. when you're doing it, like, you know, that you just have to have belief in what, in what you're saying as well. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think, I that's, think that's, that's it. I think we will, we will go back, we will try and do a, uh, a show. But you guys working full-time as well, then? We, yeah, various things. And we, and we I think our issue, we've always spread ourselves really thinly of what yeah, we do. because we're, we're actors as well, and yeah. we, we, like, we run a, a 60s show, because I'm a musician, and we sort of, we do lots of different things this, and you end up doing <laughs> but so But you much. get in work in London acting as well. Yeah, 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 we both have done. Yeah, but it was sort of like, I mean, for me, because I, I, I was quite lucky, because with the actor-musician thing, it got me into quite good jobs fairly early on. I did a show in the West End, and I did like sort of big tours. But... It just wasn't what I wanted to do because sure, I, yeah. you know, I used to be in a band and I used to write songs and suddenly I was sort of playing covers and not really acting. Like Seagulls, was it? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it was just, yeah, it, it just sort of, and it was weird. It just, just destroyed it for me. So then I thought, mm. well, I'm much sooner, I'm much happier doing this well, because it's see, ours. But th- this is the other thing, like you have to enjoy it otherwise because there's so much shit mm. coming your way that like, you have to enjoy yeah. it and then then you don't really take heed of all that. No. If you're not enjoying it, then you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. Because then the there's so much bad it, stuff. I think what's hard is when you do something in, like with Edinburgh and we did uh, the free fringe and we got a, you know, a not brilliant review, you kind of want to go, yeah, but there's more to us than just this one thing. You know, you kind of, it, it, it's hard to sort of yeah. to take it and then, you know, you just sort of feel like, oh, there's, we do so many things, but, but what we want to do is we want to perform together. We want to be writers, actors, comedians. We want to sort of, they're the sort of the main things. Mm. You just want someone to kind of recognise. Yeah, no, but as I said, but just enjoy what you're doing here and then see see everything else as a bonus, really. Yeah, true, yeah. 
And just yeah. with mostly comedy, you know, having people like you here and, and various people that we've had, it is exciting. Cause yeah. Who's your... O'Brien is on next, yeah. Uh, we've got an uh, expert. Uh, Brian Gittins, you said. No, that's the month after. He's the month after. Joey Page. Joey Page. Next month. But we've had, like, Henning Venn and Josh Whittacombe and... But everyone, every Phil person's Kay been a sort of achievement, hasn't it? Kind of yeah, and you just... For something that we started ourselves and went in... On a whim, really. We were literally crossing a road in Edinburgh yeah. with a guy who was in the show with us and he said, oh, we should start up, like, a sort of mixed... Events night, yeah. and then we said, Well, maybe we can make it a comedy night. And then we booked a room above no, the pub. No, it's a good gig as well. Yeah. And we and, and through that, we sort of so became feel free to tell people I said it was good, you know. If you, yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah, we will do. Anyway, I suppose we should call it to yeah, end because it's even... quite late. Yeah, because I'm up in a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. So that was Sean Hughes. It certainly was. Yeah, and you can catch both of his two shows that are touring life becomes noises and penguins you'll find information on his website www.seanhughes.co.uk that's information there for you little bit of information yes uh, we'd like to thank both sean and jay uh, for appearing at mostly comedy this evening and appearing on our podcast mm-hmm. we can't do it in person we'll do it in a thing that maybe they'll listen to possibly and then know that we thank them yes we thank them when they're in the room as well we did yeah we did say thank you. we didn't just sort of stop and then yeah. not say anything steely-eyed glare yeah we, we, no, did. we, we did say thank you um, but thank you again Thank you. And also, uh, have a listen to our previous uh, Mostly Comedy uh, podcasts, we more than Mostly Comedy podcasts. We have interviews with Phil Kay, Richard Herring, uh, Barry from Watford, lots of people. Yeah. Norman Lovett. So Norman it's wor- Lovett. worth having a listen. And keep an eye out on our website for information on the next couple of Mostly Comedies we have coming up. We could tell you who we have on, but it will date this. It will make yeah. it irrelevant. Yes, exactly. And then, and then you won't come maybe because you'll you'll well you'll, you'll come and you'll expect the people we've said but they yeah, won't be there because that was like two years ago and one yeah. of us is dead by then but you're God. still listening to it what a thought what a thought maybe i'll be maybe you'll be dead and i'll be listening to it and then i'll cry to myself because i knew that that was the case and now all i have is a recording of you talking with me but you're not there anymore and i start learning the bits that i said and playing back your bits i'll isolate them so i just have your voice and then i'll say my bits that i said and you say your bits and i'll just cry maybe that'll happen and on that Really downbeat note. <laughs> that won't happen. <laughs> the, um, uh, I've got to be really careful what I say now because it's all going to be kind of you yeah. know, the, the last things I may say. Well, whatever is... you say, I'll make sure that it'll say at the end. And Glenn Doggett died on the... And then insert the date. I'm just going to add so. that. And then we'll have... If it was a video, we'd have slow motion footage of you laughing on, oh, okay. on Parkinson. So what do we do if it's just an audio thing? Just I don't know. But have you, need to, you need to get. We, we need to recommission Parkinson yeah. and film you laughing on it, okay. <laughs> which is complicated. <laughs> just just to show. So please don't die before they recommission Parkinson. Okay, if nothing else, to. just wait until then. Okay. Then you're fine. Do what you want. Excellent. As long as we get that laugh. Make sure something funny happens. Make sure Billy Connolly's on, because then you'll be all right. <laughs> then you'll laugh. Good. And now what'll happen is I'll die first, and it'll be awkward. Exactly. Um, now, I, well, yeah, exactly. I, and, you know, what I'll, I'll try and do, if I own. think I'm going to die, mm-hmm. and say by then I'm le- I've learned to drive, yeah. I'll try and veer towards your house so I take you with me. So then we're sort of equal. Okay. And then our estates can do all those things. Right. Make a fortune out of it, you know, record a single, like The Beatles with Free as a Bird. Oh, out, out of these these words on this podcast? Yeah, well, you can get like the sort of, uh, what's it called? The, the, uh, the autotune. Um, yeah, the autotune stuff that kind of puts it yeah. into, a ch- into a song. Maybe that's well, what we'll be best at. Maybe we'll, maybe it'll be the best thing we could do for our careers. With the kind of mix of our photos from different gigs, sort of with our mouths sort of animated to move. Yeah, and then. like that Les Dawson thing they did yeah. where they reanimated him. We yeah. could do all of that. Yeah, I look and forward to seeing I look well. forward to when we're dead because then we're, we're going to have a fantastic career. We are. I look forward yeah. to our career after we're gone. And we'll look on at it and we, we won't get anything from it. But mm. at least we'll know that people... We'll be like Van Gogh. Van Gogh or whatever it is. Van... He didn't sell a painting until he died. Then he sold a lot and now there's a museum named... Well, when you say he sold a lot, he didn't technically sell any because he was dead, so... Well, this is true. Uh, he may have sold other people's paintings. You know. I don't know if he did that, but... So I'm not sure necessarily we'd benefit from it in any way. Well, no, we won't. upsets me a little bit. So maybe we shouldn't die. No, hopefully not. I've Let's actually n- come right round on it. No, we, we, we shouldn't die. It's not a good idea. Definitely don't die Unless ever. we faked our deaths and, and then got somehow... Yeah, you know, came back to and life. then came back and did yeah. a reunion tour. Yeah, or pretended that we were like our own sons or something. Yeah, that might but be. It's weird. We've talked a lot about death now, and it's quite hard to bring it up from there. Hopefully, yeah. nobody featured on this podcast will die before you hear this. If they do, it was nice to share a moment with them, however brief. Yeah, the candle was blown out. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> come and see Mostly Comedy soon, and keep listening to the podcast and. Just don't, please don't die. Please don't die. Please don't, please don't die. die. Don't please, die during this. Please don't, don't die. Don't. Go to, if, you, if you're going to die, or the, make the last thing you do, go to mostlycomedy.co.uk. Yeah. Pay um, your eight pounds. Make sure that it's cleared. Yes. 
then you are more than welcome fine. to die in your own time. Don't die in the room. No. Because then we've got to clear you up. Exactly. That's just, I don't really want to be confronted by that. No. Like the time when we filmed a comedy sketch in a crematorium, didn't we? That was possibly the, the weirdest Most filming, upsetting... upsetting yeah, it was, we, we went in, we might as well tell you this before we go. Yeah. Uh, we went in to film a sketch, which you can see. In fact, we may include a link. It's called, what is it called? Um, price Comparison. Price Comparison is the name of the sketch, yeah. yeah. On YouTube, and, isn't it? Yeah, and we went, and the final scene, the idea was that my girlfriend who died had died in it, and I go to visit the coffin. So we went and we asked this uh, uh, undertakers if we could use their place and film in it. And they said that it was fine. And we went there to do a recce to sort of see the room mm. and stuff. And he said, you can use any of these rooms. There's like eight rooms here. You can use any of them. We'll show you them. And they opened the door to lots of open coffins. With bodies. With bodies. And they were covered in, like, muslin. They didn't really cover them, did it? No, some of them, they were, like, hanging out. limbs and things. Yeah. Honestly, we're not joking. This is, this is what happened. And it was the most... Up- we're trying to act like this is normal. It's like, yeah, no, we could, we could maybe use that room, yeah. yeah this one's a bit pink. Maybe we should yeah. use a room that's slightly... When all we're seeing is just body after yeah. dead body. I'd never seen a dead body. And then I saw about eight of them. Yeah, and I all, didn't in, all in one go. We, we didn't say much to each other when we left, did we? we no. very quietly it, yeah it was very very upsetting. and then went back to film a sketch there which was interesting yeah and it's the, a sketch which actually isn't available online um, but if you looked at it if you zoomed in on my eyes they're, they're not happy eyes they're, no. they're eyes that have seen dead people and yes. not in a Bruce Willis way <laughs> although he didn't see dead people he was dead he was seen by the kids the saw kids him. saw dead people yeah um, and then only at the end did you realise that he was one of those dead people yeah and, but if I'd said the kid's name, it wouldn't have read as easily as saying Bruce Willis. You'd understand what I was talking about. So that's why is. I didn't say, I don't know. He's nothing to forgettable. me. Just, yeah. Un- unlike Unbreakable, which is the, the follow-up film that they made with the same team of people. What, from It's the same sense? director. It's, well, yeah, it's a similar... I've not really? seen it. I'm, I'm really out of my comfort zone now. Really? I don't even... Wow. Yeah, it exists. Google it. Unbreakable. It I mean, obviously... Make sure you put un- Unbreakable movie because mm-hmm. there's, you know, it's a word. It's a yeah. word before it's a film. Definitely, they patented, patented it. Very hard to say at this time of the evening. We've talked a lot. We're now going to leave you be. Um, do you're still back. listening to this. <laughs> yeah, you've probably switched off or died. We've Maybe, probably gone over likely. the life expectancy of yeah. most people now, and I'm irritating myself still by talking about it. Thank you for listening, and hopefully see, stroke, hear you again. Listen again, please, soon. Was that a good ending? That was a very good ending. I like that ending. Thanks. I've got nothing to add to that. Goodbye. <laughs>